he's phenomenal. I know. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were talking about Jalen Rager. Oh, God, no. I mean, I'd wipe my ass with that guy's hands, although it probably hurts since they're bricks. Welcome to the 45th episode of Clubhouse Convos. It's your host, Colin. Joined tonight, as usual, by my friend Evan. How are you tonight, buddy? I'm good, Colin. Good to be with you. Yeah, so I feel like we haven't spoken in a few days. The PlayStation no, is tied down. Well, just because Madden's a trash game, uh, as you experienced today. Um, you know, COVID hasn't caught up to you yet, Colin. I was, I've been waiting for the text saying that you, you got know it. How. You can't get it, apparently. Maybe your vaccine's working, I don't know. No, I I didn't get it either. It's fucked. Uh, Newman in the city of COVID, Boston. How's it like on there? You know, it's not bad, but I will defend Madden. My Lions just moved to 11-0. It's fucking Um, dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I'm the Jets. I'm 7-4. Like, it's not even bad. And, uh, Dan, I hate to even get into this before I introduce you. So, Dan, how are you tonight, buddy? Uh, I'm pretty good. Can't complain. Well, I can. I'm playing Madden tonight. Fucking, I'm playing the Houston Texans. They're five and five, respectable. I'm seven and three before this game begins. Uh, their first drive takes up seven minutes of the first quarter. They run the ball nine times. Like I can't stop them at all. Uh, by uh, I'm down fourteen nothing early in the second. It's seven uh seventeen ten at half. I make it 17-17 out of half. Uh, Zach Wilson playing pretty well. And then Deshaun Watson proceeds to finish the game. Uh, 15 of 16 for 240 yards, two touchdowns. And their running backs combined for 140 yards on my defense. I had zero turnovers. Uh, I punted zero times. Yet I lost the game by seven. Fuck you, Madden. It's garbage. Extra defense. Not the defense. The defense is good. I knew someone would say that. The defense is good. Um, you you let Deshaun Watson throw one incompletion all game, and the incompletion was a throwaway because he was about to be sacked. Yeah, so fifteen out of fifteen. It's garbage. That game's trash. Fix your secondary. My God. I mean, I am the Jets. Fair enough, I guess. But see, in our leagues, uh, we shadow ban Deshaun Watson for like two years and then bring him back. <laughs> oh, we made the Yeah, we, nope. we we get Henry Ruggs out of the league. Um, nope. So we move him to punter and then bring him back after yeah. the sentencing. Well, what's the sentencing for him? I don't know. If, I don't know if you're <laughs> Ruggs is got, he's perma banned. Um, okay. <laughs> Deshaun's a, a one to two year type situation i guess i mean that's what i feel like maybe you know if if this case goes poorly for deshaun it's gonna be a lot longer than one to two years fair enough i don't think he's gonna get anything just personally yeah i I don't don't either either. he seems to be doing well in the cases and uh all he wanted was a blowy i mean (laughs) can can we blame him (laughs) jesus christ 
you know, he, he went about it awfully, and I'll, I'll say he deserves to be, uh, some punishment, but he just wanted a blowy. <laughs> uh, so I suppose Robert Kraft was free of guilt to you as well, Evan. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, the methods with these people are terrible. Like, obviously, Kraft's a weirdo. Watson's a fucking terrible well perhaps um, at least old like he's just looking, yeah. he's so old he's just looking for something True, but it makes it he, nobody's gonna do that to it makes it worse his wife it makes it worse that his wife like passed away and he's doing this shit well Kraft married a 37 year old bro what Kraft married after after mrs Kraft. he remarried oh i didn't she's know like, he married oh I she's like half his age at least Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's young as fuck. It's kind of gross. He's a weird motherfucker. There he is. So is his son, Jonathan, looking like a dork in the press box. (laughs) Funny story, actually. So in high school, I had a hitting coach for baseball. um, And he actually, like one of the kids that he trained uh, was the son of Jonathan Kraft. So I kind of like got to get some inside details about the whole like Brady Belichick thing, like uh, at the end of his time in New England and kind of hear what was true, what wasn't. And like, there was actually some like inside turmoil between the guys. Um, so it was kind of cool to have it like an actual source. Yeah. I would like to hear the insides of that. I mean, it's a question that New England fans are always going to have that'll probably never be answered. Never. It's like Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. You just never know. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking crazy. Well, that was a wild start to the episode. Uh, let's yeah. get back on track. I loved it. Let's keep getting wild. <laughs> but uh, let's head over to the power rankings. Dan, I've already given you sharing abilities. Uh, so whichever one you prefer first, sir. Well, we'll start with the NBA. Um, only the NBA and NHL this week. Um, I think with the playoffs kind of dying down, there's only eight teams left anyway. I think we could wait until the final 32. Um but that being said, NBA, uh, we do have some change finally at the top. The Phoenix Suns coming in at number one, followed by the Golden State Warriors at two. And they're followed by the Memphis Grizzlies at three, Chicago Bulls at four, Utah Jazz five, Miami Heat six, uh, Milwaukee Bucks seven, Brooklyn Nets eight, Dallas Mavericks nine, and the Philadelphia 76ers ten. Um, we did have some votes for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we do have a slight mess up because Evan forgot to put the Nets in his rankings. Um, yeah. So a little blunder this week, but what do we think? Uh, I got I got really no issues with it. Yeah. I don't think, like I said in the chat earlier, I don't think there's a lot of like major differences in our rankings. Um, the only ones I could pick out really. Um, if we're excluding Evans was Newman having sure. the bucks at four. Um, I didn't even have them in my top 10. Um, Evan and Colin obviously having them at nine and eight, but other than that, there's really no differences. But, I will say, I do think the Warriors will finish the season. Number one. Fair enough. I agree. And just to the, to the Bucks point, they ju- did just beat the Warriors and Grizzlies back to back. So yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's reasonable. Um, again, Pretty much what the other guys have said. I think it looks pretty good. Not usually a lot to talk about with the uh, NBA rankings. I mean, it's it's either it's either a combination of that we don't give a fuck, or um, 
we all agree, which I think it's a combination of both, to be honest. It's definitely a combination of both, probably more of this, uh, the first one. But anyway, uh, the NHL, there will definitely be a lot of discussion. Um, so coming yeah. in at number one is the Florida Panthers. Um, coming in number two, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, and that's followed by the Colorado Avalanche at three, Tampa Bay Lightning four, New York Rangers five, Toronto Maple Leafs six, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins at seven, the Boston Bruins at eight, the Nashville Predators at nine, and the Washington Capitals at 10. I already know I'm probably going to get questions, and I don't know the answers to the question of why I have the Capitals at seven. It's just a feeling. I'm just uh, sad that the Maple Leafs aren't are staying at four like they usually do. Seriously. I guess, I guess I'll, I'll go first here. Um, I got a little bit of flack for leaving Washington and Vegas out of my top 10 for the last couple of weeks. Um, and here we are, uh, which I am happy about um, that. Both teams are not in there. I thought there were just better teams um, out there right now. Um, obviously Boston, again, happy to see them kind of on the, on the uh, fly up, I guess you could say uh, with all of us, at least having them now in the top 10. Um Again, I think, you know, Colorado's really come onto the scene, which is interesting. Um, I would have liked St. Louis in. I have them at eight. Uh, Dan, Connor, good. don't have them in. Colin, you have them at 10. I think they're a really good team. They're getting Buchnevich back um, from the COVID list. Uh, just a talented offense that I've really loved to watch this year. So other than that, nothing really else from me. Newman, I'd like to ask about why you had the Wild at 10. Out of curiosity. Um, you know, it really could have gone either way with them in St. Louis. I just feel like they've kind of picked up steam. I feel like Kakanen's playing really well in net with Talbot down. Uh, they rattled off a couple wins after that bad losing streak, so I feel like they deserve to be in at 10. I probably would have put the Caps at 11, but I wanted to keep the Capitals out of the top 10. So, Fair enough. Yeah, I don't really have anything to well, add. Well, I think it's fair. I know Newman texted it, but I think it's fair for you to have answer some questions about Colorado at seven here on the pod. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I think they're a good team, but I just don't feel like I any team ahead of them that I've consistently had ahead of them deserves to be moved down. Like, to me, like, the NHL is very close. I could go – you can make a case for any of the top seven teams, maybe not Nashville for me, but you could argue the other six of my top seven could be number one in some way. So to me, like abs at seven, isn't really that bad. I just think the NHL is like deep of good teams right now. Like the Eastern conference is so fucking close in both divisions uh, with the top teams every other day, someone else is in first. Cause they're only a point, two points apart. Um, so to me, like, it's not a knock on the abs. It's just like not changing my order. Well, for the, for the people who don't listen to our group chats, cause they're not on our phones. The abs have won 14 straight at home and they're 13, one and one in their last 15. They beat the Rangers <laughs> twice in that stretch, the Panthers and the Maple Leafs. Newman um, came with the receipts. Yeah, he did. Actually, Look. Well, I, I was doing some digging, um, did you know the Panthers are 21 and three at home? Yeah, they're they're insane at home. I, I knew it was something crazy. And I didn't Bruins, know it was 21 and three. The, the Bruins actually are 10, three and one against the, their own division, the Atlantic. It's pretty good. 
Wow. Um, uh, Newman, you make a good point with the Avs, but again, one through seven is basically interchangeable to me. No, I agree. They're all and the all same it takes amount is, of points. I would just say all it takes is like one injury or one player come back. I said last week, I said Vegas, assuming, you know, once they get Patch ready back, once they get Eichel back, back. The, uh, yes, Stone just got COVID. Once they get these guys back, they're probably a top 10 team. It's just Haig also on the COVID list today. I think once they get these players back in their lineup, they're a top 10 team. Um, but, I, again, I think that goes to show that if, like, the Canes lose Ajo to injury, they're going down on my list. Um, so it, it takes one injury. I think they'll be fine. They're so deep. But it, it takes one injury to affect your, your placement in these ranks. To, to me, it's not one injury. It's a multitude of injuries like Vegas has right now. You didn't even mention Alec Martinez. So, they're like, they're missing big top six, top four guys. If, if Carolina lost Ajo, it's a dent in the armor. But I think our, they're still geared up for a deep run. You have to lose a line, in my opinion. Aho, Sla- Slavin, and, and someone else would be considerable losses for me to drop them down. But fuck, dude, they dismantled the Bruins the other night. Um, should we move um, on to headlines? Yeah, and kind of a, I guess, a good segue right here um, for Connor. At least uh, we got some news that the MLB and the MLBPA uh, were are actually going to have their first in-person meeting since the lockout begun. So, uh, some yeah, so progress, Newman. it seems. Maybe. Thank fuck. We'll just go right to you then. Yep. Sure. All right. So, I wanted to talk about the meeting that happened last week. Um, it was the MLB's turn to bring forth their proposal, which, first off, this is such a shitty method of doing this, that they're only allowed to bring a proposal, and then you can't even, like, talk about it. You just go home and then counter a week later. Such a shitty proposal, but then so the MLB proposed a week ago. Um, MLBPA was not enthused, and I really don't know why. Like I was looking at something. Like, granted, they always leak like the good stuff, but among the leaks, MLB offered a draft lottery, removed draft pick compensation. Both of these are things that the PA wants. Raising the luxury tax to a so they want to raise the luxury tax from two ten mil to two fourteen, but the MLBPA wants to raise it to two hundred and forty five, which seems very unreasonable. Um, they want to pay young players more. Uh, and like they, the MLB offered all this and apparently the players came out unhappy, which is just tough. And I don't know if we're even going to start spring training on time at this point, because it doesn't seem like either side is going to budge. So yeah. So let's go. I mean, my only question to that would be, and not necessarily to you, Newman, just a general one is what were the owners getting? Because like, that sounds like the players are getting a lot in that deal. I'm sure the owners were getting something. And also, uh, I had one more thing to say. I can't remember. Ev, did you have something? I just think um, it's really a shame, uh, the progress or, or lack thereof that's been made. Uh, it, you know, it's frustrating for, for fans. You know, we still got elite free agents out there, like, ready to be signed. And, and people just want baseball. Like, we all want baseball back. Like, it's, it's frustrating as a fan to see this. I, I want like a full season. I want fantasy baseball again. I want, I just want all this stuff. And um, it, p- people just, it's just all about money with these people. And it's rather disgusting. Go ahead. 
That reminds me of what I wanted to say. The fact that the uh, the players want forty five million more in the luxury tax is absurd because they're just that's just them inflating their own fucking markets. Which oh, is I know. Yeah, shit. Tony Clark should be fired just as much as Rob Manfred should be kicked out. It's yeah, terrible on both sides. Both of them, yeah. Dan, anything to add? Not really. Um, I mean, just from the average fan point of view, uh, the lockout obviously is just not looking good. And like I've said before, it just kind of makes the league look bad. But you kind of hear some of these details and the see the players union still reject the offer, or at least not. I guess, like the offer, it seems pretty weird. Um, makes the players just kind of look bad, honestly. Um, you're making millions of dollars, suck up and play. But at the same time, the owners, you're making millions of dollars too. You could suck it up and get this deal done. So just kind of weird. Um, it doesn't really make the league look good at all. It's all about money with these people. It's, granted, money's important, but like, it's just, you already have so much fucking money. So suck it the fuck up, like Dan says. <laughs> Uh, moving along to uh, a league where not many suck it the fuck up, uh, and one who really never has, James Harden. Dan, tell us a bit about him. Yeah, so there's a report that came out um, saying that James Harden may explore his options this offseason. Um, if you look at his contract, uh, the, there is a player option at the end of this year, so he could become a free agent if he so chooses. Um, and I've had some conversations with a couple of people about this and James Harden being in Brooklyn. I honestly think he doesn't like being in Brooklyn and he's going to go somewhere South. I mean, this is a guy that in Houston used to always go out to clubs and dance with strippers until late in the morning. Um, so I, I just can't imagine he's having fun in Brooklyn where there's ma- vaccine mandates everywhere. You got to show like vaccine passports all the time in Brooklyn. Uh, I just don't see that. I, I think he is going to leave even though Durant and Kyrie are there. And I think Kyrie's kind of drove in him maybe a little crazy, but Go somewhere like Miami that I think kind of been rumored. Um, and I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts of what you think James Harden may do this offseason. Isn't James Harden the motherfucker who, like, stayed in a city for an extra night to party and then, like, fly that was Urban the Meyer. next day? That was Urban Meyer. Well, no, it was Urban Meyer, but I'm almost positive James Harden, like, played a game somewhere flew back to Houston to party for the night and then like flew back to where he was supposed to be. Sounds like something he'd do. We know he likes to party <laughs> or at least he used to. I can't stand this guy. I, I don't want him in the league. <laughs> That's I can't stand hard. him. I can't I mean, stand um, any of them. I can't even blame him though. Like you Kyrie or KD just went down for four weeks and Kyrie doesn't even fucking play half the time. <laughs> so it's like he has to score 60 points a night to even be competitive. I wouldn't want to stick around. If Kyrie's not going to – and he doesn't have to get vaccinated, but if he's not even going to bother playing half the time, I'd want to fucking leave. Yeah, no, I think um, I think he needs to go elsewhere. I don't think Brooklyn's the spot for him. Dan, you noted, like, he likes to go out, and, and you know, it's, it's just tough with Brooklyn. Um, so I think that's probably going to play a role in his decision. Obviously, the whole Kyrie situation. Um and I think he does in part like, want to be star of his own show. Uh, obviously with Katie there, you know, he's not really talked about as much as he used to when he was in Houston. Um, so I think, you know, if he, if he ends up on a team by himself um, as the star and the focal point of the offense, I think that's something that would interest him as well. Yeah. They're all self-centered. <laughs> the NBA. Pricks. 
I think, you know what I think too about James Harden is that he is the curse. Everybody's like, why can't James Harden get a ring? Why can't someone get James Harden a ring? Like, dude, every team he's ever been on with superstars doesn't win. And then the superstars leave, a new superstar comes in, and they still don't win. This guy's fucking the curse. Turns the ball over way too much. Well, in his defense, it was hard to get past Golden State for all those years. Yeah, but him and Chris Paul had a legit shot. They blew a 3-1 lead. He had KD last year, Kyrie last year. Clutch up, bro. Newman, where'd you go? (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Folks, we've lost a member. I think Newman has uh, had enough of my hatred towards James Harden, and he's quit the pod. Houston. Houston, we have a problem. That's the first. <laughs> uh, I re-invited him. While we do that, uh, Ev, why don't you tell us about sure. your headline? Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, Timo Meyer set a San Jose franchise oh. record with with five goals on Monday, and the Sharks oh, used a, a huge first period to beat the Los Angeles Kings six to two. Uh, Meyer, 60-year winger who made his first all-star team this season, notched a hat-trick before the first period even ended. He then scored his fourth goal less than two minutes into the second period and broke the Sharks' record with his fifth just 27 seconds before the second intermission. Uh, Head coach Bob Bugner said that Timo deserves all the credit. Uh, And quietly, the subject of some off-season trade rumors, uh, while San Jose looked to trim the payroll and turn the corner on a rebuild, Meyer has rewarded the Sharks' loyalty with a great season on a surprisingly contending team right now. Uh, Through 40 games, Sharks holding their own in the West, 21-17-2. They have a hold on the the second wildcard spot there in the Western Conference. So, Colin, I guess I'll ask you first, um, what were your thoughts on Meyer scoring the five goals? Now, is this you asking me like a teacher picks on a kid who wasn't paying attention because I was on my phone? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, No. Uh, My thoughts, I mean, dude, this guy's gross. And what him and Hurdle have been doing this year, as well as Couture, uh, like, and they need to be talked about more. San Jose, this is a shitbag roster with like a lot of money tied up in old dudes like Burns and Carlson, Evander Kane, um, e- even Couture and Hurdle are making a lot of money. Um, so to for what they're doing right now, like I couldn't name a single player on their bottom six, and they're in a wild card spot in a pretty competitive Western division. And I, I know Reimer's their goalie, but he's been bad, I thought. Uh, yes, yeah, so he – got injured Aiden Hill uh, stepped in he had about six straight starts allowing just two goals um so he's given them the chance to win he starts tonight against the Kraken um Newman I guess that yeah they do uh so that kind of segues into my next question um Connor do you think Meyer and Hurdle uh can kind of carry the Sharks uh, to a potential playoff spot like do you think they'll be in it around game let's say 70 that they'll still have a chance um, yeah, I feel like a couple of players, I mean, you see with the, the Bruins the past couple of years, that top line carried them to the playoffs. So it doesn't mean they're going to have success if they get there, which we've again seen with the Bruins or like the Oilers, but I think two players is really is enough to kind of get you in the spot. So, yeah, I think so. Uh, Dan, any other thoughts? No, I figured you'd say that. I have one more question though for you guys, maybe a little quick trivia. 
Colin, you, you got something quick beforehand? I just wanted to add, isn't it kind of crazy to think, like, James Harden and another star can't do it on a roster of 12 dudes, but Team Mike Kachar doing it right now on a roster of 20 dudes? Yeah, well, it's hard. It's hard to like, I guess, measure the skill. Like, no, for like, sure. But I don't know. For me, like, hockey's a tougher game to carry. You're not on the court or, yeah. or playing surface as much. Harden yeah. can play fucking 42, 44 minutes a night. Yeah, no, uh, he definitely can. Um, and I guess, like, quickly, uh, you boys off the top of your head know the last player to score five goals in the game. Oh, I do. Oh, because of Benajad against the Capitals. Yes, yes. I watched yeah. that game. Marion Gabrick's also on that list, I believe. Yeah, See? him uh, and then Patrick Lennon in 2018. But it's only been done like three, now 30 times in the last like, five, five times. Five. Sorry, what was good? Five in the last 35 years, I believe. Yeah. And Timo did it in two periods. Yeah. I know it's Benajad and he had overtime. Doesn't yeah. count. No, not at all. Uh, I guess that leaves my headline last. Uh, while we're on the topic of the NHL, I was going to talk a bit about the report that came from Frank Saravelli earlier this week that 73% of the NHL had tested positive for COVID during the season. Um, personally, I'm not sure about you guys. I was pretty shocked to see that number. I know my fantasy team has dealt with a lot of COVID-less guys, but 73% is very high. Um, and yet, the league really has had no pause. We had the small break before Christmas and a lot of fans were really getting on the league about that saying we shouldn't have paused. It wasn't a good thing. Look, I think 2020 hindsight, obviously, but the league's done a great job handling this. There's been really no, I mean, Canada struggled a little bit, but really no backup in terms of the games or the schedule. Uh, you're not going to the Olympics. You have the extra two weeks now or extra month, actually. So I think it's a great thing that the NHL has been able to balance these cases. Um, but my question more to you guys is, do you think the MLB and other leagues are kind of just going to be like, all right, well, if they've just all tested positive, they're all vaccinated. Most of them, the majority, a high percentage, aren't even really getting symptoms. Should we care about this at all? Or should we just play? Well, I'll go first. Um I think, you know what, if you've done your job, if you've gotten the vaccine, if you've gotten boosted and you get COVID, I think those people should be able to play. I think if you are unvaccinated and you happen to get COVID, I think you should not play um, because there need to be, uh, I guess, rewards um, for kind of following these public health guidelines. So I, I think you know, if you if you've done your job, if you've gotten the shots, you get it. I think you should be allowed to play, and uh, and kind of, kind of no matter what. But I think it should uh, those people should be held to different standards than the people who uh, have not gotten uh, vaccinated or not gotten boosted at this point. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, if you've done your job, you should be rewarded. If you haven't done your job um, to protect people, then you should not be rewarded. Dan, I saw you shake your head no. Why? Well, it's not so much no. Um, it, so this is weird because I do believe in the whole you just got to live with COVID. 
Um, I mean, hell, I, I've been kind of a proponent since day one about the whole restrictions and guidelines and all this stuff. But if you, in one sentence, want to say, do your job, follow the science, all that stuff, um, like, I guess you shouldn't be because you got the shot and you're doing your job, have these different freedoms than those that are unvaxxed. Um, that's just how I look at it personally. Um, if you are vaxxed and still catch COVID, like you still got to follow the rules that are in place, whether you like the rule or not. That's just how I think of it. I don't think that it's right to give like different rules to different people just based upon their own personal decisions. I, I, that part I don't agree with. Not I'm to get your head, yes. Oh, I think these are all good arguments. I think for hockey specifically, I think it's easy to like keep the thing going. Like they have the AHL teams, they have the taxi squad. It's easy to, to pull players in to keep the games going. Whereas like basketball, you have 12 guys, if, you know, like three of them goes down. You're playing with nine guys. Um, baseball, you can't really bring anyone up with all the whole service time thing. So it's, I think hockey has it kind of easy. So I guess it's it's hard to say, oh, we can just follow hockey's model because it works because it's not the same as the other sports as much as I'd like them to try. But I think we kind of got to start playing it, um, playing through it at this point. I think specifically for NHL, right, we, we said it earlier in the group chat. I mean, two players, or I think it's Bertuzzi. It's no, just he two got people it. Like, oh, he did get it. Okay, so now, now there's like maybe one. There should be no – like if people get – like they should just be playing all the time. Like, I think if you get it at this point, like, just, come on. Unless get you're them. actually sick and, and can't play, then I think you should play as well. Like, all these guys are protected. They knew the risk going into the season. And a lot of them, uh, I remember reading about Taylor Hall specifically, are pissed that they can't play because they feel fine. Right. And, and it's like you can't play for 10 days, or it was 10 days then, now it's five. But uh, it's frustrating to be a professional athlete and be told you can't do your job when you feel like you do every day. That's all I got. Uh, Ev, lineup card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we'll start off here in the NFL. Ooh. Um, I, I hate to ahead. interrupt, but yep. uh, the Texans are interviewing Josh McCown. Wow. That's interesting. Wow. Um, that is definitely a guy that, because like it, the last stop he had was Philly. There was a lot of rumblings that he could get hired as the offensive coordinator as soon as he retired on Philly. So no surprise that he's getting interviews right now. I love him. <clears throat> he's a good dude from what I remember. I, I wish he could have won that playoff game when Wentz got hurt. You know, uh, I was there. <laughs> Would have liked to see a win, but it, it is what it is. He's Josh McCown. He's like Kellen Moore, just trash quarterback. He did have that crazy run <laughs> and mind. tore his hamstring and still played the game. So I'll give it to him for actually still playing on like Carson Wentz. So yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, back here we're, we're starting in uh, the NFL. Mike McCarthy in some turmoil here in the hot water. Uh, he said this week, "Quote: I understand what goes on here every day." I know how to win. I know how to win in this league. I know how to win playoff games. I know how to win a championship. So I have confidence in that. What we've built here in two seasons, I feel very good about. And I think uh, with that, you uh, just stay true to that. The hard part is the personal. We all have kids. Uh, so that's the part I don't like. I would hope people are respectful of that. So that just weird comments from Mike McCarthy, uh, given the circumstances here. Um, so we all know what, like how the season ended. 
he, you know, he, he came very much to his own defense, didn't really take much accountability for that play call, kind of rejected the questions that were asked, which were reasonable questions, tough questions as they should be. So, Colin, I'll start with you. Are you buying or selling that the Cowboys have a Mike McCarthy problem brewing here? Well, it's a yes and a no answer for me. Um, I think there are a lot of problems in this situation. Personally, I think the Cowboys are always going to have problems as long as Jerry Jones is around. Um, just because he won't let anyone do it their way. I don't think Mike McCarthy has final say over many decisions involving team personnel. Um, if he does, this offseason should be a great chance for him to transform this team into a champion that he thinks he can build. Uh, a lot of free agents, as Dan and Connor were talking about the other day in the group chat. Sorry, nobody else knows about that. Um but to me, yeah, Mike McCarthy is an issue, right? Who, who's calling a quarterback draw with fucking 14 seconds left like that? That's idiotic, uh, number one. Number two, that team was maybe the most undisciplined team in the NFL. Um, so he clearly doesn't have much of a control over that locker room. Or those guys are simply undisciplined and not great fits for this kind of system because they fucking shot themselves in the foot over and over and over. They had no business even having a chance to win that game against San Francisco last weekend to me. Um, So, yeah, I think Mike McCarthy is an issue, but I think Jerry Jones is an issue. I think their payroll is an issue. I think their insistence on playing Ezekiel Elliott is an issue. Uh, I think they have a lot of issues. Dan, I'll go to you. What were your thoughts on McCarthy's comments? And do you think the Cowboys have a Mike McCarthy problem? They absolutely do have a Mike McCarthy problem because the guy's a, a bozo, to put it simply. Um, the reality of it for Dallas is you're more than likely going to lose Dan Quinn for, for some odd reason because teams want to hire him. I don't know why. But there is also a good chance that you lose Kellen Moore. You're going to be left with Mike McCarthy, who's an absolute bozo, got driven out of town in Green Bay. We've seen what Green Bay is now that he's gone. Uh, th- this guy is just not that good of a head coach. Um I give way more credit to Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore for this turnaround that Dallas has kind of seen this year. Um, and then for as good as, as a team they were this year to just come out flat in the playoff game, undisciplined. I mean, that's just unacceptable. And that is absolutely on your head coach. I mean, Mike McCarthy's just not a good head coach. If Dallas was smart, they would fire him and hire either Dan Quinn or uh, Kellen Moore. I, I would say Kellen Moore. Uh, you get the young guy in there very smart, very bright. Uh, I, I think that's the right move for Dallas, but they're not going to do that. They're going to stick with Mike McCarthy and they're going to regret it. We're going to I mean, he, go ahead, Colin. He did hire Dan Quinn. So that's a good move on his part. And I know he retained more, but I think anyone would have been dumb not to. I like, think like, go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Yeah. Like I agree. He made the good hire with Dan Quinn, um, but just as a head coach, I, I don't think Dallas will ever win a championship with Mike McCarthy as their head coach. I just don't. I don't either. And there were countless times this year, obviously, where just clock management was a problem with Mike McCarthy. And I do kind of uh, think that it, it does kind of remind me when like the, the Redskins kind of picked Jay Gruden over McVay, LaFleur, Shanahan. Um, it's just like you have these good coordinators. And I think Dan, Dan Quinn like, like, I think he deserves another shot. I think Kellen Moore obviously deserves a shot. But if you let these two go, you're stuck with Mike McCarthy. And I, I don't think that's what they want. And I don't know if they're necessarily thinking about it. Uh, Jerry seems loyal to Mike. But, Connor, what were your thoughts? Um, do you think there's a problem with Mike McCarthy there? 
There's definitely a problem. Um, you guys have spoken to it pretty well. Obviously, very undisciplined. You know, 14 flags in the game the other day. And the, the, the QB draw isn't even the, the half of his time management problems this year. He's calling timeouts left and right. And you know what? I was, I was watching him this year, and I'm like, oh, this reminds me of someone. It reminds me of fucking Anthony Lynn, who can't manage the clock to save his life. And I'm glad we got his ass out of L.A., and so they need to do the fucking same to him. Uh, going to another team who lost uh, their wild card game, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, there's a nice article here in ESPN by Brooke Pryor. Uh, well, Pittsburgh Steelers coach Mike McCarthy, uh, Mike Tomlin. Oh God, not Mike. The opposite of Mike McCarthy is Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Uh, says all options are on the table and adding another quarterback to fight for the starting job next season. The in-house candidates are prepared to compete for the position themselves. Um, Mason Rudolph entering his fifth year with the organization is the only quarterback under contract next year. Uh, but former Washington football team first round pick Dwayne Haskins is a, is a restricted free agent. So both seemingly will have the opportunity to vie for the starting job. And Haskins said, they're giving me a chance to compete and I have a chance to start. That's all I could ask for. Um, Rudolph said, all I want is a chance to compete, to be the guy here. Um, so it wasn't where my, where my mind went first when I heard Big Ben was probably going to retire. I thought maybe through the draft, I thought maybe free agency or trade. I didn't really think either of these two guys would necessarily get the chance. Um, so I guess my question, I'll start with Newman. Um, would it be a mistake for the Steelers to go into next season with Rudolph or Haskins as the team starting quarterback? I go with no. Um, as much as I think they both suck, which I mean, as we are fans of AFC teams, that's it, Dan. I don't really give a shit if they start these two bozos at quarterback. But I feel like if if they're gonna go with the rookie route, you kind of want a guy there like Rudolph, who's been there five years. He knows the system, can kind of get show him the ropes. I don't know if they would go with a veteran. Um, and this is the same thing they did with, with Big Ben. When he got drafted, they had that kind of stopgap guy. I'm blanking on his name. It was like 2005 or 2004. Um, so I, I don't think this is a problem to have a bridge guy, kind of like Cam Newton last year for the Patriots. Um, Dan, uh, what do you think? Would the Steelers be making a mistake next year going in with what they already got? The it's very tough because you look at the quarterback class, at least for the draft. Um, I don't know if there's really anyone besides Kenny Pickett uh, or Sam Howell, and really even Sam Howell's not ready to be a day one starter. Um, and so when you're Pittsburgh and you really do have a lot of issues outside of the quarterback position, um, I just don't know if you could use that draft capital on a quarterback, especially one that's not ready, and then put them out there with a roster that's just not complete. Um I don't know if Mike Tom, like Mike Tomlin's smart. I don't think he'd do that to a rookie quarterback. I think he would build up this roster, see what he's got in Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph, and then go after a quarterback. And like Newman said, I don't think they'll go after a veteran. So from a team building aspect, I don't think it's an issue. I mean, at some point you got to see is Mason Rudolph our guy. I mean, you draft him in the second round, you might as well see what he is for a full season or let's see if Dwayne Haskins has improved at all since his time in Washington. I mean, you have to at least see what these guys can do. So I don't think it's a problem. Before I go to Colin, I, I would just like to say, I think it, it, obviously if they do decide to draft a quarterback, uh, I think before that quarterback starts officially, um, they need to move on from Matt Canada, in my opinion. I know we've talked about this. I mean, I was, I've watched some of their games and this dude, 
there's just no there's just no structure to getting the ball down the field it's like you know they'll run it on first down they'll do some maybe some random play on second down and it's like third and whatever their only play is like watching a vertical to, to either Claypool or Johnson I'm like it's painful to watch and, and this guy I don't think he knows what he's doing um it was just it was brutal uh, Steelers often sucks um Colin uh, what do you think? Is it a problem or no? Uh, I think it's a problem if you want to go anywhere farther than the wild card round, uh, which Mike Tomlin has basically fucking guaranteed for this team single handedly the past few years, I might add. Um, he is an amazing coach. I think this, I think this is like somewhat of a juicy destination. If you're a free agent quarterback, they got to fix up the offensive line a little bit, but you have Harris, you have Johnson, you have Claypool, you have Freermuth uh, on the defensive side. Fitzpatrick's a, a great player. Um, you have TJ Watt, obviously. So there's some good, good talent on this team. Juju will be a free agent. But I honestly think as much as a douche as Haskins was in Washington, it's a first-round pick. That wasn't an accident. Uh, he was very good at Ohio State. I think in the right system with the right pieces around him, you got to remember in Washington – it was Bob off the street and Jim from the fucking homeless shelter playing wide receiver for him. He had nobody to throw to. So I think if you give him a chance with some weapons, he might surprise people. So Mel Kuyper's uh, latest NFL mock draft had the Jaguars selecting uh, Michigan defensive end uh, in Hutchinson, number one overall. He said, uh, I'd go with Hutchinson. I have him ranked slightly ahead of Thibodeau. Uh, Hutchinson, who finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting, is a dominant and consistent pass rusher who can put up double-digit sacks as a rookie. He's a safe number one pick. Um, I'll start with Colin. Um, do you believe that selecting Aiden Hutchinson is what the Jaguars should do? Uh, the Jaguars do a lot of things, in my opinion. Um, they should hire Byron Leftwich, I think. And if Byron Leftwich is going to be the head coach of this team, I think they should seriously consider drafting an offensive lineman to boost their um, their new offense under Leftwich. He's obviously, if you're bringing in an offensive guy, you want offensive weapons. That line is very bad. You need someone to protect Lawrence. To me, like, you have Josh Allen on the end, on one end. Hutchinson and right. Thibodeau are both great players, but Jacksonville has so many needs. Maybe see what it looks like to trade down. You can still get a good player in the first round. I'm sure there are teams that are possibly willing to move up if they're really high on one of those two. Uh, and Jacksonville could add more draft capital. So, I don't know. I think Thibodeau or Hutchinson's a win. Dan, what do you think of Collins' proposal for the Jaguars to maybe trade down? And what do you think? Do you think Hutchinson would be the right guy? So, to the first part, um, the, the saying of, um, like, anyone can trade back, but the only problem is you need a dance partner t- to make that trade. Uh, where there's no real good quarterback prospect, I don't think you're going to see somebody give up a load of picks to go to the number one pick just to take one of these pass rushers. I just don't think – I mean, it's a very good edge class. There's no need to move up to take one of these guys. They're very talented, but there's just no reason to give up that many picks to get there. So um, in theory, it makes sense. I just don't think you're going to see anyone trading for that number one pick. Now, when it comes to Hutchinson versus Thibodeau, I've said before, 
the difference on my board is like 0.07. I don't think there's any difference. Um, they are a little different in terms of play style, but I mean, very effective pass rushers. Hutchinson's a little better with run defense, but Thibodeau's potential is through the roof. Um, you really can't go wrong. So going with Hutchinson is, is fine in my opinion. Uh, Newman, what do you think? Uh, would be the, uh, the right decision for Jags to take uh, Hutchinson? Well, since Mel Kuyper said it, I, I would disagree. Uh, if you would <laughs> scroll down in that mock draft, you would see David Ajabo go at seven and then Drake London go at number 10, um, who I believe were undrafted and picked number 32 in our latest mock. So I don't trust anything that comes out of this goon's mouth. I think he's past his prime a little bit. So I'm going to say he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving into the next question here, number four here uh, for the lamp card this week. Um, so there's been speculation that Tom Brady is favored by NFL referees for years. Well, Brady himself was asked about it on Wednesday. Uh, Brady appeared on Jim Gray's podcast, Let's Go, this week, and Gray asked the Buccaneers quarterback about a roughing the pass recall during his Sunday game versus the Eagles. It was, the, I believe, the Derek Barnett roughing the pass recall. I'm sure Dan knows what I'm talking about. Uh, when it comes to roughing the pass recall, specifically, Brady said he thinks he has let, uh, thinks he has let off the hook more by the referees. So, quote, I do know that the officials probably let me get away with a lot of unsportsmanlike conduct, talking smack to the other team and talking smack to the refs when I don't think uh, I get the right call. Uh, kind of a pain in their ass if you, if you don't already know that. Um, so my question is, obviously, we know what kind of quarterback Brady is. He's the GOAT. Uh, so sh- I'll, I'll start with Newman. Should elite quarterbacks such as Tom Brady receive more protection from the officiating or should there be a baseline for everybody and every quarterback across the league? What do you think, Connor? Well, I think favoritism would be stupid if you're trying to make a fair game. Um, I will say, I think, because we talked about this, I think, way earlier in the year, I think the running quarterbacks don't get enough uh, protection, like Lamar or Kyler. The pocket quarterbacks who don't fucking move and just lay down when they get touched, like Brady and you know the other fat guys, Stafford. they probably will, will – yeah, they draw way more roughing the passer penalties than like Lamar, who they treat like a running back. So he is getting favored, but it's not because he's Tom Brady. Uh, Dan, what, what did you think of the Barnett uh, roughing the passer call? And also, what do you think? Uh, do you think elite quarterbacks should be protected more? By First, about the call. Absolutely terrible call. Um, I, I thought it was absolute crap. I'm a little biased, but even. It, Brady didn't even fall to the ground. I understand it's at his knees and a rule's a rule. You kind of have to throw the flag, but I, I wish the rest would kind of just see that and realize he wasn't actively trying to go towards Brady's knees. He was actually trying to let up. Huge play in the game, really, even at the start. I know that they got blown out, but it's like first third down of the game and they actually got a stop because Brady missed the throw. You don't know what could happen from there. But um, in second, about the question of if quarterback should be favored or not, I'm a little offended being a quarterback that any quarterback would be favored in terms of calls. I, I think every quarterback, it, it a rule is a rule. Um, kind of like I said, it, it should, it, there should be a baseline. Every quarterback should get the rough in the passer if it's there. And if it's not there, the flag's not thrown just because it's a little dinky on Tom Brady versus a rookie quarterback. That's unproven a flag's flag. So there should be no favoritism. Colin, I would ask you going off of that, uh, off of Dan and Connor's comment. Do you think officials, obviously they know the game. Uh, they know elite quarterbacks. Do you think that they would, in like subconsciously, they're more apt to throw a flag if it's a great 
quarterback. Like, do you think there's anything in their brain that that maybe tells them to protect the elite quarterbacks? I mean, I would have to think there's some sort of like, you know, if you're the referee of a Tom Brady game and you see him take a shot, you see Tom Brady take a, a shot similarly to, I don't know, he's a shitty quarterback in the league. Uh, I don't want to say he's a shitty quarterback, but he's Mason the first Rudolph. guy. That sure. <laughs> the ref is probably more willing to throw the flag to protect Brady because it's in their back. Like, what do you think? What are your thoughts on the situation? You know, logically, that makes sense, right? Uh, in theory, you want to protect the most important players in the league. But I think this number will tell you all you need to know. Brady only had one roughing the passer all 2021. It was tied for the league lowest. So if you think that's a problem, it's not. I think you can bitch and moan about calls all you want. The refs are going to call a penalty if they think it's a penalty. They don't give a fuck what's on, uh, in my opinion. So I, I had no gripes with it. Tom Brady is a pain in the ass, and he's fucking – has deserved that right to be a pain in the ass. So I don't think he should get called front sportsman like, but I don't think he should be favored for uh, roughing the passers either. I, I don't believe in that. I think that's a load of horseshit. Everybody is valuable to that league, not just the elite guys. Because without the bums, I mean, where's your fucking competition? Well, there's a lot of people that are ready to step in, fill roles, and that want to be in the league. Well, I know, but we have teams starting like the Andy Daltons and and the washouts of the world. So like, what are we doing here? No, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, so Brady's former teammate, Antonio Brown's back in the news. So uh, he is once again unemployed, obviously, following uh, his exit from Tampa Bay in week 17 against the Jets. Um, and he recently went on uh, Brandon Marshall's show, the former receiver, and um, he he addressed his mental health in the show along alongside Brandon Marshall, former NBA star Nick Young and former first round NFL draft pick Jared Odrick. And in his appearance, Brown took exception to people who questioned his mental health, saying he left the box because Arians wanted him to play injured. He said, quote, why every time something happens bad or how someone reacts? Oh, he's crazy. There's something wrong with his mental health. There's nothing wrong with my mental health. Someone told me to get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm not passive aggressive. Um, we obviously know what Arians said to him. So I guess my question for you, Colin, is do you believe it's fair for the media to slap Brown's mental health immediately as the reason for his sideline outburst? Or do you think we should have waited more for more information on the whole situation? Because that seemed to be the first thought in everybody's head. Well, I mean, when you pull a stunt that idiotic and that out of this world, I mean, it's just only logical to jump to the mental health uh, aspect. But in all honesty, like, I think there is some truth to the ankle injury. Um, you've seen the text messages. I'm sure there you can fabricate messages like that. But it seems like Arians did know about the injury and, and – Brown was obviously getting treatment for it. Um, so to that end, I think Tampa Bay is a little bit at fault. But in terms of Antonio Brown's reputation, like, bro, you did this to yourself, man. You were the one, like, going on Instagram Live every time the cops showed up to your house and calling them crackers and waving guns around. Like, <laughs> dude, you created this own mess uh, when you fucking just quit the Vegas or the, the Raiders. Like, what the, dude. 
I think this guy's fucking crazy. And now he's just going on every show he can to get some fucking money because he's unemployed, as you stated. And he's just spewing the most idiotic shit. He goes on the Full Send podcast and shits on Tom Brady. Like, fuck you, dude. Tom Brady gave you a job not once but twice. He also gave him a home. Yeah, this guy's out of his fucking mind. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on uh, on that whole thing? Um, like, yeah, Antonio Brown is crazy. Um, I think it's fair for media to point out, like, his mental health because, like, football players, like, we have seen over the years, they do get CTE after playing multiple years in the league. Um, and I think a lot of people can point to a clear difference in Antonio Brown's, like, just – attitude and mental health after the Vontez perfect hit like there's been multiple interviews shown before that hit he sounds very intelligent not saying he is now but like just very very intelligent what he's saying and it's just very clear and concise and then we've seen since then he's kind of gone on these random uh bursts of just randomness craziness um mental health clear concerns that may have some early on CTE settling in, in his brain. So I think it's fair for like ESPN and these other broadcast networks or whatever to, to point it out and make it a concern. Uh, and I will just say Colin, uh, when I was at his house, I, I was at his house for that, for that game, we watched it. And uh, Colin said that he doesn't think Antonio Brown makes it past what? 40, 40 years old. That's it. Yeah. And and when he when he passes away, I'm not I'm, I'm not hoping that he does anytime soon, <laughs> but his brain is going to be people are going to want to study the fuck out of that thing. Um, uh, Connor, what are what are your thoughts on that whole on, on the whole thing? Um, I don't think I don't really have much to say on it. I feel like the the media is free to to question his mental health. I mean he he's built up that kind of reputation. If he didn't want to have them talk about his mental health they shouldn't have had so many outbursts so it's his own fault yeah he's he's kind of crazy um last football question here a new cbs report today indicated that amari cooper dk metcalf and calvin ridley are all likely to be traded this offseason uh an interesting report newman which receiver is the most uh is the most in need of a change in scenery well, obviously, it's Calvin Ridley. The guy stepped away from the fucking team and wants a fresh start. Um, as for the rest, I don't, I don't know if DK Metcalf will be traded, to be completely honest, unless they are going like full rebuild. But I think Calvin Ridley is definitely in a dire need of a change of scenery and to get his head right. Um, maybe the Patriots come McCollin. Who knows? That'd be fun. Um, but yeah, I'd say Ridley. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this report? Obviously, we, we don't know if it's 100% confirmed. We had a feeling Ridley was probably on the way out. Cooper is an interesting one, but the fit really hasn't been there, um, which has been interesting to see. And then Metcalf was interesting. Uh, what, what do you think, and uh, which receiver would you like to see moved, I guess, would be my, would, would be my question. Um, kind of what Connor said. I, I feel like if any was to be moved, it would be Ridley. Um. It just seems like where with him stepping away, um, it makes most sense to just get rid of him. The Falcons give a lot of money if they were to move on from that. I think it's like $11 million just saved if on from him. So, I mean, 
the fans need to rebuild. Um, Matt Ryan's getting older. I know they have Kyle Pitts, but the, the, the offense just wasn't good. Um, so get rid of him, get a draft pick. Um, I've seen a lot of rumors, even teams like the, the Eagles, they have three first round picks. If they give up one of the, uh, one of those first round picks for Calvin Ridley, maybe the Falcons can start be to rebuild and get a receiver in the draft. Would you be happy with that? Um, I would like it. I think it's a good pairing with Devontae Smith. Um, and I think maybe it's a little safer than drafting a receiver. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, but uh, in terms of the, the receivers, um, I, I think it has to be Calvin Ridley. I see no reason why Seattle would want to move off of DK Metcalf. Um, and at least for Dallas, I think Jerry Jones is in love with Amari Cooper. And I think the fans would go getting him. I know he's hurt. Um, and he loves to occasionally drop an important pass or two, but um, I don't see why you'd trade him. Colin, do you agree with the other two? Yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper's an interesting one because the money, obviously, but it, I think you only trade him if you're going to commit to bringing Gallup back because then if you trade Cooper and you let Gallup walk, you're left with Lamb, Wilson, and God knows what else. So you got to hold on to Cooper if you're going to let Gallup walk, in my opinion. On the Metcalf front, I agree. Wouldn't make sense. Still on a rookie deal. He can help that team if they still want to win, which it seems they do for at least one more year. Uh, and to the Ridley point, yeah, you got to move them, right? Um, a couple teams that come to mind, I think if the Buffalo Bills lose this weekend to the Kansas City Chiefs, you could see them go all in on anything they can get uh, to make that offense as potent as KC's. Uh, I think New England, obviously, um, there are a lot of teams that are wide receiver needy. Philly's a good one. The football team would be interesting. They need a wide receiver. Um, you look out West, AJ Green's a free agent. Maybe Arizona tries to bring Ridley to pair up with Hopkins. They had a disappointing exit in the playoffs. Um, Green Bay has been rumored to always want someone to add Adams, at least Rogers does. So if they want to keep him and Adams, maybe go get Ridley. Um, so I don't know. There's a ton of teams where he would fit Chicago, another team. Uh, so I think there's a lot of suitors. And I think Atlanta's going to get a pretty good haul. I mean, think of what they got. They gave up to draft Julio. I don't think you're going to get that much, obviously, but it's a pretty good haul. Well, people, I think some people do also forget how good Calvin Ridley was uh, uh, last year. With Julio uh, there. With Julio, I mean, he was so dominant. Like, lots of touchdowns, lots of yards, like – He's a guy I want on my team for for sure, and he's probably the guy I would take over the other the other two. Although Metcalf's amazing as well. Um, next question: Moving into some NHL, so there's been a lot of rumors here with the Edmonton Oilers that obviously Ken Holland, there's pressure on him to make a trade. He seems to uh, it seems to be uh, looking like he will make at least a, a couple. Um, and there's been a lot of speculation with the Boston Bruins. Obviously, we know Mike Smith's been a disaster. You know, Stuart Skinner hasn't really impressed. Koskinen's been disappointing. And obviously he's battled with with Coach Tippett. Um, obviously Bruins, Tuca's back. Um, you know, so you got Omar up there with, with Tuca, which had to send Swayman down. Uh, Oilers have floated Yamamoto. There's been multiple reports that he will probably be traded at the deadline. Uh, just someone who needs a new change of scenery. Oilers also need a defenseman. Bruins have a lot of them. So I guess I'll start with you, Colin. Um, 
what would you think about a potential package involving Swayman, Yamamoto, and maybe some others? Maybe DeBrusque you might see involved. Just maybe a trade with Edmonton. What what would you think of that? Well, there are many things that I want to say. First, if Jeremy Swayman is traded for Kaylor Yamamoto, Don Sweeney should be fired immediately after the trade has concluded. Um, that would be a travesty. Uh, you don't know how long Tuka is going to be around. This could be a fucking four month and I'm done. So if you're going to go and trade the goalie of the future for a fucking kid who hasn't done shit, Don Sweeney, bye-bye. The only one worth trading for Yamamoto is DeBrusque. Uh, and to your point about the Bruins having a lot of defensemen, I just viciously disagree with you. I watched They don't the have a lot game. of good defensemen. Yeah, I watched a Bruins game the other night with three defensemen I didn't fucking know, and the other three were not very good. Uh, although Mike Riley has been playing very good of late. Um, and and Vakanainen has played his way into the lineup, as I texted the other day, who I like. He looks very good. Uh, he's kind of a mixture of Grizzlick and Carlo, which is perfect. Um, but to your point, I don't think the Bruins should be trading any defensemen. If anything, they should be trading for one uh, and absolutely not trading Swayman unless it's for a fucking definite top six guy who scored 25 goals at least three times in his career. Well, the, listen, the counter argument to your point is that the Bruins obviously paid Omar five and a half million for four years. I don't Which, care. You know, we, we sat here and we talked about that. Maybe that wasn't the right move. Obviously, swimming impressed. So that's just the counter argument that why would you, if you thought he was the goalie of the future, why would you have paid um, Olmark all that money to come in? They could have signed someone else. It, it personally didn't make a lot of sense to me if they wanted swimming. Um, because guess what? Now he's going to have to sit in the minors the rest of this year, Colin. And, and he's, to be quite frank, he shouldn't be. I don't His think sitting, spoke for I don't himself. think he's going to be sitting at all in the minors. Uh, I think playing is good for him. I think he should be playing more. He'd get no reps at the NHL level. And Omar, you don't have to just because this guy's getting five and a half million doesn't mean he has to play sixty five games. They can split forty forty. It's not a bad thing. A lot of teams are shifting that way. And Omar against like statistically speaking, five on five was fucking great. Uh, so I don't think it, it was that bad of a deal. I get the Bruins needed to spend money elsewhere, but if it was just Olmark and that alone, I think it was a pretty good deal. Connor, um, wh- wh- what do you think of, of all this? Do uh, you think maybe the Bruins and Oilers would be trade partners at the deadline? And what would you think? I mean, listen, I think Don Sweeney sent a message that swimming at least for now is not the goal of the future. And I think, he could be kind of pissed off about that, deservingly so. I, it didn't make a lot of sense. He played so well down the stretch last year. I mean, I don't know where you're getting that Swain is not the goalie of the future. He is the goalie of the future, but he's not ready. He still needs more AHL time. That's why bringing, they brought back Rask and sent him down. If they even mentioned his name in trade talks, Don Sweeney should be fired. Like, And you're not going to trade Olmark. He's been good. You just gave him a four-year deal. What would that say about your team? if you send a ship a guy off after signing him before your deal. So I don't even think they're going to trade. What they need to do is either call Chicago and get flurry or call Arizona and get Famelka. but you're not going to touch swimming. The guy that he is the goalie of the future. I don't know how long Rask has left. And like Scully says, everyone's doing the, the platoon thing nowadays, the tandem. So no, you're right. not trading for swimming. My ca- not- my, just, oh, go ahead. 
No, you go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I think he deserves to be playing in the NHL right now. I didn't really understand the whole Tuka Rask thing to bring him back. I mean, I was impressed with Allmark and how he was playing. I thought the duo that they had was good. We saw how they feel about each other. I didn't get the whole bring Rask back. I mean, go ahead, Colin. You got to remember, Evan, this is a kid who played fucking 10 or 11 games at the AHL level before just going right to the NHL. Last year, he shouldn't have been playing if it wasn't for the drastic circumstances that forced him up. Thank God he played well and carried us into the playoffs. But fuck, dude, he has basically no professional experience. I think it's the best thing for him to go back down. And bringing Tuca back, are you going to tell me you don't fucking want Tuca Rask right now? I I never wanted Tuca Rask back on this team. Yeah, but just to – I mean – most goaltenders spend two to three seasons in the AHL. Like, look at Carter Hart. He spent some time down oh, there. Primo's down there. Literally, two oh, years ago, nice. I was I was watching Swayman. Sta- I was standing above Swayman while he was playing for U Maine. Like, he's fucking fresh. You, he needs to play a season, if not two seasons in the AHL, to be really ready for the pros. My point is, if you look at his stats this year, they're deserve- they were not deserving of a demotion. That is my point. It's Especially not a for Tuca to give up it's, five goals in a period. Granted, it's not it a demotion. Really You're getting him way more playing time, which he yeah. needs. He needs to develop. He's not going to develop playing maybe three of the next 20 games in the NHL. Well, they and were, re- were kind of splitting time. Bruce was playing the high hand. Yes, and I'm sure that's exactly what's going to happen with Rask and Allmark. But, Evan, you also have to remember the Bruins' defense is fucking great. Any goalie back there is probably going to have a lot of success. So, the numbers could be inflated, is what well, I'm saying. Well, they got to get someone else, I think. They got I think they got to get someone All else. All right, let's move on. We're hitting Dan, like an hour. Dan, lastly <laughs> here, uh, if you have any thoughts, Newman always in a rush. If you have any thoughts, Dan. Um, it, I don't think the Bruins should be getting rid of Swayman. Um, I, I was saying at the end of last season that they need to give Swayman more playing time, and I understand they moved him down, and I agree with uh, Colin and Connor's arguments that he is still getting playing time. At the AHL level, I mean, the guy's only, what, 23, 24 years old, something like that. Like, if, if you're that young, get, get some time in the minors, 22 years. Um, so. so, this guy's extremely young. Just keep letting him develop. I mean, if he's not ready for the uh, – he's not ready for the, the professional league, I mean, I'll take your guys' word for it. Get some playing time down in the AHL. Um, but obviously, being that young with that much potential, you don't trade somebody like that, especially when – I don't know much about Omar, but Tuka's like coming off a of surgery and he's old, thought about retiring. Like you gotta keep the future there. You can't just trade him away. Just turned twenty-three uh, that, two months ago. Just turned twenty-three. Okay. Um next question here. Maybe we should speed this up. I thought that was question eight. This is question eight. Uh Connor, what NHL team should be the most aggressive at the deadline? Hmm. Well, I would say I feel like the easy answer is Edmonton. If they they really are a team that should be making the playoffs. I'd have to go. Let me check the standings real quick. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of teams like, ahead of them. I know. I feel like Pittsburgh's always always picks up a guy at the deadline, and I think Boston, maybe Minnesota, just to name a few. It's kind of on the cusp, but there are teams that I think should be making the playoffs. Maybe just pick up a piece or two to solidify their rosters. Uh, Colin, what do you think? Um, obviously, we, we both want the Bruins to buy. 
in my in my opinion, looking at the standings right now and the teams that are kind of in that second tier, um, Pittsburgh and Boston, as well as Edmonton, are the three teams that really jump out at me. Also, Washington, teams with aging cores, not so much Edmonton, but Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, very elite cores, but aging cores nonetheless. Your window's closing. If you truly are buying into winning at all costs, this deadline, the next one, and maybe the one after that are three deadlines in which you should be buying as much as possible. I think it would be funny if Washington traded for, for Flurry. Uh, Dan, do you have any thoughts? Washington should be aggressive because I want a fucking cup. <laughs> okay. Uh, last question here, NBA real quick. Uh, oh. Frank Vogel got the, got the green light to bench Russell Westbrook for management. That's what he did last night after he had another abysmal performance. Um, Newman, what do you think? Um, I guess, what should they do with Russell Westbrook? Because this guy clearly sucks. I don't know. They they got to figure out a way to get his confidence up. I feel like the benching is certainly warranted. I feel like that has players around the league. You bench know, Tatum. Down the stretch. I know. <laughs> Honestly, the way Tatum's shooting, fucking bench him down the stretch. They actually did for quite a few of minutes the other night, although he, he almost fouled out. Um, but I don't know. You got just, I don't know, just get him back in there in blowout situations, get his confidence back up, although they're not blown out many fucking teams. Poor LeBron. He's averaging 30 points over the past month. <laughs> they can't fucking put together a win. It's so sad. Damn, maybe a Russell Westbrook for uh, Ben Simmons trade? <laughs> oh, hell no. You're trading a guy that can't shoot for a guy that can't shoot. It's awful. Um, the, it, from the start, I said that to piss you off. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, I mean, I, I thought the fit was terrible from the beginning. Um, I, I don't know how this ends, but it, it's just going to end with the Lakers getting rid of him because it's just not a good fit with LeBron. Um, I just looked at his contract. It, it's like Harden. He has a player option after next year. So um, who, who knows what he does this offseason, but his time in L.A. is definitely reaching its end. It's just not a good fit. Um, and I didn't like it from the start. So, oh, Dan, unfortunately for end. the unfortunately for the Lakers, uh, Russell Westbrook's going to be accepting every player option he has because he won't make make nearly as much money on the market as he would right now. So, I think they're going to be stuck with him for the foreseeable future. And look, Dan, I agree with you a hundred percent. This is a project, a, a dream, uh, a fucking boyfriend crush that LeBron has on one of these guys that was just never going to work out. It just didn't make any sense. All the the media talk of how good this team was going to be. Like, dude, you had like two guys under the age of 30. Uh, it's fucking pitiful. But where did you have them in the power rankings? <laughs> one. Pathetic. I know. It's fucking pathetic. But look, LeBron's like still good enough to carry a team to one. Just everyone else around him is bringing the team down. Uh, which is hard to believe <laughs> like they're playing against the guy uh, it's fucking uh, really abysmal one of the few times in my life that I've actually felt poorly for LeBron uh, and normally can't stand the guy but he's really getting shafted by this team uh, and Frank Vogel's just fucking incompetent that's all I got so oh yeah uh, that's question nine Dan the rant belongs to you and uh, and then we'll wrap this sucker up it's gotten a bit out of hand here all right <laughs> um 
you can let me know when you start. This will be good. All right, here we go. So, uh, as we know, the Eagles lost in the uh, wildcard game to the Buccaneers in something that became very obvious. A lot of Eagles fans are very mad about, not just Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Rager, what a piece of shit he is. Um, Muffed the punt when it seemed like the Eagles may get it may get a stop to get back in the game. Um, and my rant really here is about J.J. Arthega, Whiteside, and Jalen Rager, two terrible wide receivers that the Eagles drafted. Um, J.J. Arthega, Whiteside, over three seasons, with the, three seasons with the Eagles, has gotten 16 receptions, 290 yards, and one touchdown in three seasons. This was a second-round pick. Notable receivers taken after this guy, Paris Campbell with the Colts, D.K. Metcalf with the Seahawks, Deontay Johnson with the Steelers, Terry McLaurin with the football team, Hunter Renfro with the Raiders, Darius Slayton with the Giants, and Scotty Miller with the Bucks. All of those guys are way better than Jalen Rager. Or, sorry, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And Jalen Moving Rager. into Jalen Rager, who's really the problem. First-round pick, obviously. In two seasons, he's had 64 receptions, uh, 700 yards, and three touchdowns. That is awful for a first-round pick. And guess who was taking a pick after him? Justin Jefferson, who won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Like, Howie Roseman. You're awful at evaluating wide receivers, but even notable receivers taken after him, Brandon Ayuk, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Jr. LaVisca Chenault, Jr. Chase Claypool, uh, Claypool, Van Jefferson, De- uh, Devin Duvernay, Gabriel Davis, Darnell Moody, KJ Osborne, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and even the guy on their team, Quez Watkins is better than this guy. Like Howie Roseman, you are awful at drafting first round wide receivers. You're lucky that we got a high enough pick this draft so you couldn't screw up drafting Devontae Smith. You are lucky. And my God, is it just obvious that the Eagles have no offense outside of the run game because Jalen Rager sucks. And so does J.J. I think a white side. Good rant, Dan. Perfectly Disgrace. I'll just say two things real quick. One, I think Rager kind of, he looks, he looks just weird. Like his face structure is just bizarre. Um, I've, I've looked at him. He, he just doesn't look human. Secondly, I just thought it was so funny that he muffed the punt because I had texted before he muffed the punt. I'm like, he looks uncomfortable back there. He looked shitty as the punt returner all, all that game. It just didn't really seem – Well, I, granted, his confidence is in the shitter, I'm sure. Well, I'm going to give him – I'm going to give him some slack a little. There were like 20 to 30 mile an hour wins. I'll give him that, but he still sucks. <laughs> If for Roseman, though, he's got three firsts. He can do it all again next year. You don't take a linebacker, I'm rioting. Uh, if you take Nicobe Dean, the pick before us, I'm rioting. Oh, we definitely will. You'll be pissed. No. He's phenomenal. I know. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were talking about Jalen Rager. Oh, God, no. I mean, I'd wipe my ass with that guy's hands, although it probably hurts since they're bricks. So bad. <laughs> and with that, we'll wrap. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Later. Peace. Put your tears away. Ain't no fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. It's what you ain't done yet. Take the keys, leave the regrets. Write your letters, place your bets. I'll be the one who accepts. You don't got the